Chapter Twelve of the Pioneers by Catherine Susanna Pritchard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirsty. For months, Davy and Deirdre went together along the winding tracks from the school to Cameron's and from Cameron's to school. Sometimes in the spring cart, but more often on Lass's broad back. Deirdre had to hang on to Davy when the old horse took it into her head to step out jauntily but for the most part they rode her lightly enough, Davy with one hand on her mane and Deirdre swinging behind him. Sometimes Davy dug his heels into her fat sides and put her at a trot that set them bumping up and down like peas in a box and laughing till the hills echoed. And sometimes in the middle of the fun they found themselves shot on the roadside as Lass shied and propped, pretending to be startled by a wallaby or a dead tree. These comfortable middle-aged shires and proppings were regarded as her little joke, her way of indicating that she did not like being dug in the sides. They shrieked with laughter as she stood blinking at them, her white-lashed eyes on which a chalky whiteness was growing, bland and innocent. As if she was so surprised and hadn't done it all of a purpose, they explained to each other. Deirdre quickly outgrew the dresses that Mrs. Cameron had first made for her. The schoolmaster thought that Davy was growing too. Although Lass was up to the weight of the two, and they ran beside her up the hillsides as often as not, and rode her only one at a time when they grew older, with keen eyes for a fair thing where a horse was concerned, the schoolmaster bought a little wildling of a white-stockinged chestnut for Deirdre to ride. A stockman had traded the colt for a bottle of rum when his mare folded steves. She was a fine animal, with a strain of Arab in her, and when the schoolmaster had mouthed and gentled white socks, as Deirdre christened the colt, she straddled him bareback, and Davy had his old lass to himself. There was nothing for him to do but watch Deirdre as she went off down the track, clinging lightly to the little horse, whose legs spread out like the wings of a bird. Davy's heart sickened with envy every time Deirdre dashed past him. He urged lass to the limit of her heavy, clompering gait. But even then she did not keep the chestnut in sight and all but broke a blood vessel in the attempt. When Davy came up to her, Deirdre was invariably twisted round, waiting for him, brilliant-eyed, a wind-whipped colour in her cheeks, and her hair flying about her. "'You'll break your neck some day, riding like that,' he told her somberly. But he was eating his heart out at not having a horse to put against hers, at not being able to send flying the pebbles on the hill-tracks as she did. He had asked his father over and over again for a horse of his own, but Donald Cameron would not give him one. No, my lad, he said shrewdly. I'm not going to have you racing horses of mine on these roads with the schoolmaster's girl, breaking their knees and wounding them. I haven't money to throw away, if the schoolmaster has. By and by, when you're working with me, you'll have a good steady-going stock horse of your own, maybe. Davy's school days were numbered, Mrs. Cameron knew. He was shooting up into a long, straggling youth. His father was talking of breaking him into the work of the place, and Davy was beginning to be restive at school, wanting to do man's work and getting a horse of his own. Deirdre learnt womanly ways about a house quickly enough when she had made up her mind to, although, since the new order of things at Airmuir, Mrs. Cameron had Jenny, a big, raw-boned, brown-eyed girl from the Wirree to help her, and the family had meals in the parlour, and sat on the best shiny black horsehair furniture every day. Deirdre made beds, dusted and swept with Mrs. Cameron. 
She fed the fowls and learnt to cook and sew. Davy had seen her churning, sleeves rolled up from her long, thin arms. He had watched her and his mother working up shapeless masses of butter in the cool dark of the dairy. When they washed clothes in tubs on the hillside, he carried buckets of water for them, and had helped to hang the clean, heavy, wet things on lines between the trees, or to spread them on the grass to sunbleach. Mrs. Cameron had taught Deidre to knit, and when her husband was not at home, had even taken her spinning-wheel from under its covers, set it up in the garden, and showed her how to use it. She had sat quite a long time at it, spinning and delighting in its old friendly purr and clatter. At such times she would sing softly to herself. Davy and Deidre crouched on the grass beside her, and when they begged for them she would tell some of the fairy tales they loved to hear. Mrs. Cameron scarcely ever saw the schoolmaster, and it was rarely then that she spoke to him. Sometimes she discovered him in the background of a gathering of hill-folk, who met in the schoolroom on Sundays for hymns, prayers, and a reading of the scriptures, and sometimes she heard him singing in the distance as he rode along the hill-roads. Deirdre had sensed a reserve in Mrs. Cameron's manner and attitude towards her father, and could not forgive her for it, though she had a shy, half-grateful affection for her. Davy was not sure that he liked the Deirdre who had learned to brush her hair and wear woman's clothes as well as the old Deirdre. There was something more subdued about her. Her laughter was rarer, though it still had the catch and ripple of a wild bird's song. She was not quite tamed, however, for all that she did, deftly and quickly, though it was done, had a certain wild grace. It was one evening when she was knitting, making a pair of socks for the schoolmaster, and muttering to herself, knit one, slip one, knit one, two together, slip one, that he realised Deirdre was going a woman's way, and that he had to go a man's. "'It'll be moonlight early tonight, and there'll be dozens of possums in the white gums near the creek, Deirdre,' he said, coming to her eagerly. The proposition of a possum hunt had always been irresistible. Deirdre had loved to crouch in the bushes with him on moonlight nights, and watch the little creatures at play on the high branches of trees near the edge of the clearing. They had flung knobbly pieces of wood at them, or catapulted them, and were rejoiced beyond measure when a shot told. There was a startled scream among the possums, and a little grey body tumbled from a bough in the moonlight to the dark earth. But this night Deirdre shook her head, and went on with her murmuring of, Knit one, slip one, knit one, two together, slip one. "'No, I can't go possuming to-night, Davy,' she said. "'I want to finish turning this heel.'" End of chapter 12